Uh, let's go ahead and pray uh, before we get started uh, this uh, this evening. Um, we've obviously completed Philippians. Uh, we're going to move on to kind of a uh, one-off subject here, uh, but it is somewhat related to this issue of the mind and uh, some of the mind of Christ. Uh, I want to talk about uh, some of the, the, the things regarding it, but uh, let's go ahead and open with a word of prayer. We'll get started tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, we're again very thankful to be here. Lord, we're just uh, thankful that we have your word to, to guide and direct us. And Lord, we just thank you so much for your Holy Spirit uh, teaching us and um, convicting us. And uh, again, Lord, uh, leading us to, to, to the repentance that we need and the uh, desire to change and to please you. And Lord, I just pray that this evening we would do that that uh, our hearts would be very soft and tender and uh, ready to receive, uh, willing to listen, and most importantly, willing to do. I thank you again, Lord, for just uh, those that are here, and I pray for those that uh, could not. And again, Lord, we just pray you bring them back to us safe and uh, healthy. And again, Lord, we thank you for all that uh, you've done for us, and above all, the blessing of salvation that we have through you. And I pray, Lord, that we would just never forsake that, but it would always be something at the forefront of our mind that we would remember. And I thank you again for this, and this I ask in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, so this evening, uh, I just want to talk a little bit about a subject uh, about uh, memory, remembering things. Um, you know, as obviously uh, when we progress in age, uh, Seems like sometimes, at least with me, uh, it gets a little bit harder to remember things. Keep getting a lot of the uh, disk space errors upstairs and 404 file cannot be found and things of that nature where there, there's a struggle. But uh, um, there is an importance about remembering that God emphasizes in Scripture. And it's not just having good memories. It's not just uh, remembering where you parked your car or uh, remembering to pick up something at the store or whatever it may be. This is more about remembering him, remembering uh, some key important things that we as Christians, believers, should do. There's a lot of warnings that we see here. There's some things that are in here for our learning that are taught to us. And, and, and I, I want to focus on a couple of things, and I want us first to turn to the book of Luke in Luke chapter 17. <clears throat> Luke chapter 17. <clears throat> and uh, I understand the context of uh, the verse here uh, in Luke chapter 17 and verse 32. Um, it's a simple verse. It's one of the shorter verses of the Bible. It only is three words. But there's an emphasis on remembering. In Luke 17.32, it says, remember Lot's wife. Now, again, I understand the context of what's going on here. understand of all these things that are uh, that, that he's talking about in this specific passage. But it is of key importance that when God says a very simple statement like that, Something that we can look at and easily remember. I mean, that's a verse everybody can memorize. That one's not hard. So when somebody says, memorize Bible verses, I'm like, sure you can. There's a couple of them. Jesus wept. And you're like, well, that's simple. But the importance behind it is great. When we talk about remembering Lot's wife, easy to remember. It's something that's very simple, very, very specific. And when we think about what he's talking about there, we understand the concept of he wants us to think about what she did. And again, the 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 the, the account that is in Scripture in the book of Genesis is as Sodom and Gomorrah was going to be destroyed, uh, God sent some angels to go ahead and pull Lot and his family out of Sodom and Gomorrah, and Lot's wife, uh, really desiring, uh, turned around and looked back even though they were told not to, and she turned into that pillar of salt. And when we understand what God says about that desire she had, and, and, and if you will, her heart was, and, 
And when she was in disobedience, she's, he's using that to teach us that there's certain things that we need to keep in mind. The things that we read in Scripture should keep us, should be readily kept in mind. Turn, if you will, to Numbers chapter 15. Look at the key text that we see here that I want to focus on. <clears throat> and, and one thing that we, we know specifically about uh, some of the things with the nation of Israel is, is Israel had a memory problem. Uh, Israel uh, seemed to forget God at a lot of points. And in Numbers chapter uh, 15, and in verse 37, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and bid them that they make fringes in the borders of their garments throughout their generations, and that they put on the fringe of the borders a ribbon of blue, and it shall be unto you for a fringe, that ye may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them, and that ye seek not after your own heart and your own eyes, which go, which uh, ye use to go a-whoring, that ye remember to do all my commandments and be holy unto your God. I am the Lord God, uh, I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. Now, this is an interesting thing because now we begin to see some of the relevance of even the Israeli flag. You ever wonder why there's the two borders that are there of blue, those blue bands? This is from this passage. That's why they have that there. It's important to them. And the idea is, is that whenever they see that, that they would remember to do all of the commandments of the Lord. Now, when, when, when we think about it, it's, it's a simple thing, but you don't see very many Jews walking around anymore with blue borders on their, their garments. On their prayer shawls and some of the other robes that they have and things of that nature, but you don't see them usually wearing that. Uh, I, part of my life, I grew up in a Jewish neighborhood in Portland. Um, it was uh, predominantly Jewish. There was a, a, a synagogue there. There was a Middleman Jewish Center. There was uh, Rose Schnitzer uh, Jewish Home, uh, Robeson Jewish Home, uh, all of these uh, things that were Jewish in nature. And we would always see the Hasidics uh, walking around uh, with their, their hats and their little curls and the boys too. And they would be walking along and it just kind of made you smile because they, they seemed to be happy. But again, just understanding that they really don't have that real connection with God that they should. It is a bit sad. But I just remember seeing people that would go there, and I actually visited the synagogue once, went inside, took a look around, and they were very welcoming and uh, uh, with it. And uh, I noticed that nobody was wearing anything blue. Nobody had any of these fringes. So somewhere along the way, they just decided to get rid of it. Somewhere along the way, they just decided that that wasn't important to them anymore. And it makes perfect sense when you begin to think about it, because at some point in time, they, they, they just stopped doing those things. Because they had, well, forgotten the commandments of God. And you go back over to, to, to where Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and he talks about how they go about measuring the borders of their garments. Well, this is why. They would go and they would measure and they say, well, my, my border is bigger than your border. So I, I remember more about God. And it became, if you will, this spiritual one-upmanship, this spiritual, uh, I'm better than you, which is the Pharisaicalism, uh, um, that we see in scripture where they look down on those that they thought were sinners when they themselves were full of the same sin, but were actually in a worse place because of their hardness of heart. But what we find in this passage is God is saying, look, I want you to remember something. I want you to remember to put those on so you don't forget. So you don't forget. I was at church one time and uh, somebody actually uh, passed some of these out. I think uh, actually at one point in time somebody here passed them out too. Uh, a lot of the uh, that are 
uh, um, uh, Jews for Jesus will do that sometimes, and they'll hand out uh, blue bookmarks, or they'll hand something out like the little rubber uh, wristbands in blue and things of that nature. Uh, something, again, to just kind of remind us of that passage. And I understand the context behind it. I understand what they're trying to do, and, and they're trying to get Christians and believers to truly follow some of these passages. Because this is an important one for us to understand. It's an important one for us to, to, to look at. Now, there is no commandment for us to put blue on, to have any of these blue fringes or anything of that nature. But what we are supposed to do is we are supposed to remember. We're supposed to remember to do the commandments of the Lord. We're supposed to remember to, to keep them. We're supposed to just remember them in general. You know, we talk about uh, the commandments, and again, I'm not talking about the, the sacrifices of the Old Testament or some of the, the Jewish uh, culinary laws, but I'm talking about the things in, in the New Testament, <coughs> pardon me, <coughs> where he talks about the law of Christ, the law of liberty, the commandments that he gives us about be kindly affectioned one to another, things about uh, be angry and sin not. Those type of commandments that we see all throughout the New Testament. And when we begin to think on what God wants us to do, he wants us to remember this. So this is something that we can look at and we can really truly take this as an understanding of what we're supposed to do. Now, it's interesting the context behind this passage. This just wasn't just some random thing that God said, hey, you know what, now I want you to start wearing blue borders. Blue fringes. No. There was a, there was a predicate, a predication to this event, or event that, that took place to this commandment. Jump back up to verse 32. Numbers 15, 32, and it says, And while the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man that gathered sticks upon the Sabbath day. And they that found him gathering sticks brought him into Moses and Aaron and all the congregation. And they put him in a ward, or in ward, because it was not declared what should be done to him. And the Lord said unto Moses, The man shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones without the camp. And all the congregation brought him without the camp and stoned him with stones. And he died as the Lord commanded Moses. Now, this is interesting. Because they're basing it off of a commandment that God gave but God didn't specify what the punishment was should you violate it. So again, they, they, they put him in a jail, if you will. They, they put him in a holding cell and, and they're, they're waiting to see what happens. And Moses goes to God and says, okay, we've got this guy. What do we do? And he says, he's got to die. Now again, that commandment came later on as we move through scripture. We find those commandments being given, but what we find with this individual, <clears throat> is that he forgot something. He forgot something. Go over to the book of Exodus. Go over to the book of Exodus and take a look at chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20 is where we find the Ten Commandments given. They're reiterated in the book of Deuteronomy. But in Exodus chapter 20 is we have the first instance of them being given. <clears throat> In Exodus chapter 20, he, he starts off with uh, talking about uh, uh, that uh, thou shalt have no other gods before me, and thou shalt not make any graven image or likeness of anything that is in earth, uh, or that is in heaven, or that is in earth uh, above, or that is in earth beneath, uh, or that is uh, in the water under the earth. And he continues to go down through all of these commandments. And then he goes uh, to this point in verse 8 where he says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So he gives a very specific instruction here. And interestingly enough, it's not just keeping the Sabbath, but it's remembering to do that. I, I don't think I even need to take a poll in here, but have we ever had an opportunity in time uh, uh, of our life where we have gotten so busy that we forgot to do something? Maybe something that was important. Maybe something that was necessary. 
Well, here God's saying, look, you know, the Sabbath day was important to him. Why? Because it symbolized rest. It symbolized rest. And most importantly, the Sabbath is a type of Christ. And we find that he is our rest. He is called the Lord of the Sabbath. And he never said to keep the Sabbath in the New Testament. But what we find him doing is he goes about, and and with much contention, goes about working on the Sabbath, if you will, healing individuals and causing some stress with the with with, uh, with the Pharisees and the scribes, but he reminds them, your animal falls in a ditch, you'll pull it out. Your son gets born and it's on the eighth day, you'll circumcise him that day, regardless of it. And he reminds them of all those things, but to them the Sabbath had become just, if you will, some sort of a, a status symbol. It becomes something to boast about. They weren't keeping it holy. But this is exactly what God told them to do. He said, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And we find that, that you know, there's a lot of thou shalt not. There's an honor part. But in this one, very clearly, it starts off with a purpose to remember. A purpose to remember. So we shoot back over there to Numbers chapter 15 and we find this guy, he did not keep the Sabbath day holy. He forgot. He decided he didn't want to. Whatever it is, however it came about, the situation was is he was found gathering sticks when he shouldn't have been. And he paid for it with a great price. People have often said, well, you know, that seems pretty pretty harsh for for just a day but the idea and the purpose behind it behind what god's saying with that commandment remember the sabbath day to keep it holy is to teach consequences something as simple as that and somebody fails to remember god says there will be consequences all of us here understand there are consequences The Bible talks about it in the book of Galatians, chapter 6. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Solomon, you know, initially says it over in the book of Ecclesiastes as well. But what often happens, and why here he is saying, I want you to now put some blue borders on there so that you remember... Because again, just think about this. There you are, you put on your... Your, 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 your gown, your robe, whatever it is, because they weren't wearing pants back then. <clears throat> the guys weren't, the girls weren't, nobody was wearing pants. And what happens is they go down to go pick something up. What's the first thing they're going to see when they bend down that big blue border? It's a reminder. It's a reminder. They go to reach their hand out and do something that they weren't supposed to. There's the border on their sleeve. They begin to realize the importance behind all of these things that God had said, all of these commandments, what he wanted them to do. And and and, and, and we find that God wants us to remember what he says. But what happens is we are often plagued with the impact of sin on our memory. I mean, we all understand that sin has effects. Sin has, uh, as I said, consequences. Sin will in, will affect your memory. It will affect your memory. Because if it gets to a point where you run from God enough, you commit enough sin, you eventually forget who God is, You forget what God's done for you. You forget brothers and sisters. You forget family. You forget other believers. And it begins to have a large effect. Turn over to the book of uh, Psalms. Actually, before we get to Psalms, turn over to the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. 
We talked about this as we continue our study in Ecclesiastes on Sunday night. But in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 11, he says, There is no remembrance of former things, neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come with those that shall come after. Man has a problem. We, 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 we have the adage that I often quote and say what we learn from history is that men don't learn from history. What we also understand with it that Solomon is talking about here is even greater than that. Is that men don't remember what happened. And they won't use that to guide them into what they should be doing today or the day after. They fail to learn lessons. They fail to learn what impact the sin has had in their life. Also, they fail to remember the impact of what righteousness had in their life. Now, we talk a lot about what sin does. We talk a lot about it, but I'll tell you this. We know that God's grace is greater than any sin. And praise God for it. He can save any sinner that has committed any act at any point in time in, in life. And people are like, are you, so you're telling me Adolf Hitler could have been saved? If he chose it, if he decided, if he said, I want to trust Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, you're like, well, that's not fair that he gets to go to heaven after killing all those people. Well, it's not fair that Jesus Christ had to die on the cross for my sin. So let's talk about fairness, equality, and equity. That that my God would have to come and die on a cross, pay my punishment, go to hell for me? No. Because that's where my sin wound up. But when we begin to realize that God's grace is greater than all sin, that it is more powerful than anything else, it just talks about the power of who God is. His great and mighty works. But one thing that we have to do is we always have to remember what the effect of righteousness has had in our lives. Have we ever sat down and thought about how God's righteousness has had an impact in our life? Have we ever sat down and said to ourselves, I just want to focus on on what God has done for me and the blessings that he gives me, and the things that, that I, I, I try to do for him, and how he blesses it, even regardless of my efforts, he still blesses it, and he still gets glory, and he still is worthy of praise and honor, regardless of how horribly I do it. <laughs> the effect of righteousness on us. Christ's righteousness. But sin has an effect where it begins to dull that. Turn to Psalm chapter 78. Psalm chapter 78. Psalm chapter 78. We see that there's this, uh, this whole chapter is about the nation of Israel and they're just continual, uh, just Continual sin, continual wickedness, and, and and so on and so forth. You look at verse 32, and it says, For all this they sin still, and believe not for his wondrous works. Therefore their days did he consume in vanity, and their years in trouble. When he slew them, then they sought him, and they returned and inquired early after God. And they remembered that God was their rock, and the high God their redeemer. We see that, that sometimes it takes that little nudge. Sometimes it takes a full-on push. Sometimes it takes things in our life that we don't necessarily view as comfortable. But what we see here is that eventually they got to a point where they remembered who God was. But then, as they continued in the sin... As they continued to do things that were wrong, we find in verse 36, Nevertheless, they did flatter him with their mouth, and they lied unto him with their tongues. What does that mean? They were not sincere. They're not sincere. 
You raise kids, you can begin to tell what, who, which child's sincere about apology and which one's just scared they're going to get their uh, uh, backside uh, a little bit of a whooping. You can tell that. But here it says in verse 37, for their heart was not right with him, neither were they steadfast in his covenant. There was a, they, they just continued in that sin. They continued to head down that path. They continued to head down that direction. But if you look down a little bit further, we, we see that they chose to forget. They didn't remember. In verse 42, it says, they remembered not his hand, nor the day when he delivered them from the enemy. And what's the verse before that? It says that they turned their back on him. They turned their back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Now, they didn't limit him as in saying, you know, you, know, you, you can't do that as in they were controlling him. No, they limited the effect of God in their life. And I'll tell you, one of the biggest things about why it's important to remember and why he even had Israel go so far as to put the blue borders on there and why he went as far to say in the commandments, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, is because he knew that at some point they would come to this. They would forget what God has done for them. They would forget what God has done for them. And what happens when we forget what God has done for us, because we are involved in the sin, it compounds the issue. It's it's just a vicious cycle. We forget God, we fall into sin. And when we fall into sin, we forget God the more. And when we forget forget God the more, we fall into more sin. And it just becomes this giant snowball that becomes unstoppable. And we wonder why we are where we're at. But the situation is, if we remember God at the beginning, if we remember God every day, if we remember to do these things that he tells us, his commandments, not just remember them in our head, but remember to do them. Because the Bible says that if you know to do good and you don't do it, it's sin. It's sin. If there's something there and you can do it and it is right and you don't do it, God says that is sinful. It makes it pretty clear. So when we look at this passage, these passages about remembering things, it becomes very important for us to remember what God's done in our life. The psalmists understood this. Turn over to the book of Psalms. Oh, we're sorry, we were there in Psalms. Uh, Psalms chapter 20. <clears throat> Psalm chapter 20. I want you to see some patterns here. Psalm chapter 20. And in verse 7, it says, Some trust in chariots, and some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Now, by what name are we saved? There's only one. Whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There is no name under heaven except Jesus Christ, by which we must be saved. And here he's saying, when people go about and they put their trust in the things of the flesh and the things of the world and their own strength and everything else, the end result is that they are not trusting God. But when we turn around and we say, we are going to remember our Lord, we're going to remember his name, we're going to remember who he is, then we are going to begin to build our trust in him. I mean, just think about some of the names that Jesus Christ has. Emmanuel, God is with us. The Everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. Just thinking about Isaiah 9. Wonderful. Wonderful. Have you ever stopped and just decided that one day you were going to stop and that whatever you were doing, be still for a few moments and sit down and say, I want to wonder about who God really is. I want to wonder about Christ. I want to wonder about him and just sit there in awe of who he is. Meditate on him. What he's done. 
called Wonderful, the Mighty God. He's called Counselor. You will receive no better counsel than from the Word of God. Freud will do you no good. Neither will Jung, neither will Robert uh, Rogers, neither will any of the modern psychology that's out there. All of these things that they keep trying to try to, to do. I heard somebody the other day talking about all sorts of things and saying, well, you know, people that, 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 that are criminals, they just can't help themselves. They're born that way. I'm like, is this where we're going now? They're born that way and we need to acquiesce to them and allow them to do that and try to teach them. I'm like, no. They stole, <laughs> prosecute them to the fullest extent of the law. They have to understand consequences. But what we find is in Scripture, God tells us over and over again, when we remember, it's going to build trust. It's going to be build trust in Him. Take a look at chapter 30 of the book of Psalms. Psalm 30. Psalm chapter 30, and in verse 4, it says, Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of his. And just stop right there for a moment and just remember this. God calls you a saint if you have trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior. So, this is, somebody's going to say, well, this is an Old Testament passage. It doesn't apply to us. Well, it says to saints. Well, are you not a saint? If you're not a saint, then you need to check your salvation really quick. It says, O ye saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. You know what is a good way to keep you from falling into sin? Thinking about and remembering how holy God is. How holy God is. So Psalm 30, verse 4, gives us a very clear picture of what we are supposed to do. So obviously we, we, we sing, we sing unto him. That's a commandment. But also the commandment is, is we're supposed to give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. I remember when I read that and I thought to myself, oh man, I am in so much trouble. I mean, how many times a day do I remember? God's holy. How many times a day do I remember God absolutely cannot stand sin? How many times a day do I remember that because of his holiness, that sacrifice on the cross could be made? And then when I remember it, I'm supposed to give thanks. Well, that will change the way you think. That will change how your heart responds. That will change that when, when you, you, when you get ready to, to do something and you start, if you will, reaching out to do that, instead of seeing the blue fringe there, you're just going to remember God's holy. Oh. Then I shouldn't do that. Then I shouldn't do that. Turn over to another passage, Psalm 97. Psalm 97. Psalm chapter 97. Verse 12, it says, Rejoice in the Lord, ye righteous. Now again, I'm going to stop there and ask a real quick question. Are you righteous? Better say yes. Because God, Jesus Christ, imputed his righteousness unto you. Well, I don't act like it. Oh, okay. Well, then here might be the issue. Rejoice ye in the Lord, ye righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. There we go. We've got it repeated twice. Repeated twice. There's a principle in Scripture I don't like to call it the law because it doesn't always work that way, but it's a principle. There's one called the law of first mention. It helps identify what is being talked about. But also there is this principle of the second mention. And basically what that means is if God has to repeat it more than once, it's pretty important. (laughs) It's pretty important. 
Have you ever had an employer tell you something, or an instructor, or a professor, or a teacher, or whoever, somebody tell you, and they tell it to you more than once? Like you'll be doing something, and and and, and I I I remember one of my first jobs because I was 17 when I started working. I wasn't allowed to touch the the giant cardboard baler. But then when I hit 18, they were like, oh, finally, we got another person to operate this stupid thing. <laughs> and I remember standing there and, and having one of the um, one of the supervisors there teaching me. Uh, and uh, um, his name, Bert. His name was Bert. Uh, <clears throat> Bert was missing a few fingers on this side of his hand. Um, and he had uh, had a bit of an accident with a saw and he had lost some of his fingers. And I remember he was teaching me how to use the baler. And he was teaching me how to, to get in there and put the stuff in there, clamp it down, do this, do that, make sure this is secure, make sure this is locked, do this, and so on and so forth. And then when you're ready, press the button. But he would always say, all right, I want to make sure that you understand this. He's like, make sure this is up and this is locked and this is down so you don't stick your hand in there and wind up like me. And I'm like, <laughs> he's like, I'm serious. <laughs> and then he would say it again. He's like, I want to make sure you do it. And then he would watch me do it. And he's like, what are you going to do now? And I said, I'm going to pull this down. He's like, why are you going to do that? Because I don't want to be like you, Pert. <laughs> he's like, good, you listened. And sometimes I think about that because I think about what God's teaching us. And twice he tells us that we're supposed to remember his holiness. Remember his commandments, remembering his holiness we begin to see how God is teaching us to, if you will, understand the impact of sin. Because what sin will directly do is it will take away, it will rob you of these memories. Because you begin to focus so much on that lust and that desire that you lose sight of the holiness of God. Because it's so much focus on the sin. Turn over to another passage. Go over to, to, to Psalm 63. Psalm chapter 63. And in the same vein where we're supposed to remember his commandments and do them like we saw with the nation of Israel. And same way we're supposed to remember his holiness and, and uh, um, give thanks for it. In Psalm chapter 63 and in verse 6. It says, when I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. Now, what's the issue with that? Let's go to the first verse and get that context in verse 5, where he says, my soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips, when I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. Because thou hast been my help, therefore, in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. Now, that's very interesting because he just said satisfaction can be had in this life if you just remember what God's done for you. If you just remember who he is. If you just stop and think about him. And interestingly enough, when that, when that happens, we see in the next verse there, it says, my soul falls hard after thee. So many times people will say, well, I just want to, I, I just want to follow Christ. I want to follow Christ. I want to follow Christ. Then you have to be thinking about him at all times, including those times when it's dark. Notice it was at night upon the bed and in the night watches. When things are dark in our life, when things look the darkest, that's the time to, to to make sure you're remembering him. You're meditating on him. You know what that'll do? That will cause you the next morning to wake up and say, I'm going to follow hard after you, God. It begins to shape the way we think. It changes it. Go over to another passage, Psalm 77. Psalm chapter 77. <clears throat> Psalm 77 in verse 11, it says, I will remember the works of the Lord. 
I will surely remember thy wonders of old. God has done such a mighty work in each one of our lives. There is not one single person here that can tell me with enough sincerity of belief that God has not worked on their behalf. If you have trusted Christ on your, as your Savior, He has done a mighty work in your life. That work that was finished on the cross, so why? Because we can't work for our salvation. He finished the work for us. He gave of himself. We need to remember that work. That's why we wear the helmet of salvation on our head, where God points to where we often think the memories are stored. But he says very clearly here, I will remember the works of the Lord. Turn over to Psalm 105. Psalm chapter 105. Psalm chapter 105. Verse 5. Remember his marvelous works that he hath done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. Look at who he is addressing it to. O ye seed of Abraham his servant, ye children of Jacob his chosen. It says, remember his marvelous works that he hath done. Marvelous. Have you ever marveled at the fact that God would die on a cross for you? I've pondered that a few times. I've pondered that, thought about the things that I've done. Yeah, he still wants a relationship with me. That should make you marvel. You know, they, they always talk about those seven wonders of the world and things of that nature. And, and there's some things that, 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 that I see in this world that, that, that really make me marvel. Again, you know, I'm just, I, I'm sorry, I'm one of those guys. I geek out with that whole new satellite that's out there and I see all those things. And I understand, you know, what those pictures look, you know, what they're doing with them and how they're kind of, you know, putting certain colors on there to enhance the image. And I get all that. But I cannot just help but to sit there and think and look on those and just marvel at that fact. That when a telescope takes a picture and they enhance it and what they thought were stars were actually galaxies. When they take pictures and they realize that in that picture, there's so many galaxies that they can barely even count them. And that's one little portion of the sky. And that's only what is visible to us. What's on the other side of what is visible? And we begin to just, I mean, you you, you can sit there and marvel about that all day long. The one that gets me that that I I often uh, harass Bob with is time, relativity. (laughs) We have good discussions about it. We had some great ones. I haven't haven't bugged him too much about it lately. I'm still working on some stuff because I I listened to some things about string theory, so I'll have to bug him more about it. (laughs) But that type of stuff just makes me marvel. How time and gravity and space all work. We don't, I mean, we barely even know any of it. And it's marvelous. It's marvelous. We don't fly off this thing. It's marvelous that God has it just at the right position. 
It's marvelous to think that God says that the seasons will never end. So don't believe all the climate change hoax. God says that the seasons are never going to end, then that means the seven seasons are never going to end. I'm sorry, I believe him more than Al Gore or anyone else that's out there. I lost track of who the newest guru about that is. But what we see is this marvelous things that God's done. But when is it that we really sat down and truly remembered how marvelous God has been to us in our life? You're here on a Wednesday night listening about how great God is. That's a marvelous work. That's a marvelous work. I want you to turn to Psalm 103. Psalm chapter 103. I started doing a, uh, a uh, pretty intense study on Psalm 103. Uh, at one point in time, I started getting a bunch of notes and putting some things together. Um, but there was a verse in here that just every time, every time I read it, it just seemed to, to make me think more and more. <clears throat> and it says in verse 17, but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him. And his righteousness unto children's children. To such as keep his commandment. And to those that remember his commandments. To do them. Memory has a huge impact in our life. The other day, uh, the girls started talking about some stuff and and it was a it was a trip down memory lane and they started talking about some of their old toys they used to play with and things like that and uh you know it was good memories for them it was good memories you know sometimes we have a tendency to focus on things that are just the bad stuff you know I'm sure all of us have had some really, really garbagey things happen to us in our life. But, you know, we can sit there and choose to remember those, or we can choose to remember the good things that God gave us, the good things that we have, the good memories. You know, I, I, I think back on, uh, on my childhood. And I'll, I'll tell you this, I had a blessed childhood. Now, I'm not going to sit there and, and, and paint it as, you know, it was picture perfect and my parents were, were you know, the most godly parents that ever lived this side of uh, heaven or anything of that nature. They made mistakes just like I'm sure I've made mistakes. Uh, they've... Uh, they have regrets just as sure as I have. And I will tell you this, though. I remember the good times. But what often happens is things climb in. And we focus on the things that are sinful. And a Christian really needs to stop thinking about that. That'll bring about bitterness. That'll bring about grief. That'll bring about depression and sorrow uh, in, in an improper way. Improper way at that. Grief and sorrow, depression, those are all natural things. Don't, don't, don't think you're trying to get rid of those things. That, that, that's a wrong mentality. God created you with those. He created you to use them, though. Use them the right way. So many times people will focus on the bad stuff in life. Like I said, we can all focus on the bad stuff. We can all focus on the horrible things that have happened. 
But we have a choice and a decision to remember the good things. You know, I choose to remember the good things about my parents. I choose to remember the good things about my brother. I choose to remember the good things about uh, my grandma and, and grandpa that I do know. I don't know the other ones. <clears throat> I only know one one set. And that's it. I met my great-grandpa a couple of times and my great-great-grandma uh, once. And I just remember him being kind. and I just remember him just loving on us boys. And uh, Regardless of what anyone else says, that's my memory. That's what I remember. And again, it's not a made-up memory. It's not something I'm manufacturing in my head for the sake of satiating some weird, you know, need or anything of that nature. No, what it is is it's truth and it's something that I remember. It's something that that I choose to keep in my mind. And when we think about what God's telling us here in this verse, in verse 18, it's the exact same thing that he just told the nation of Israel over in Numbers chapter 15. Remember the commandments to do them. There's a purpose behind the memories. There's a purpose behind them. Your memories give us all sorts of comfort. Memories can help soothe some pain. So God created memories for a very specific purpose. For, for, for the point of, we can remember But when we start thinking about the commandments of God, it becomes clear what the purpose is. To do them. To do them. You ever have a point in time in your life, maybe it was with your employer, maybe it was, maybe it was with uh, your parents, and they told you to do something and we forgot to do it. We didn't remember to do it. This is why he told the nation of Israel, after somebody died, after they just witnessed something that was pretty horrific, he said, look guys, I want you to do this because I want you to remember. He knew exactly that they were going to forget Just like he knows we will, too. But he had him do something for a purpose. And that purpose was to remember. But here he's saying, he's talking about mercy from God. And mercy from God is is ever-present. And as he says, is everlasting from everlasting. And his righteousness unto children's children, when we remember his commandments to do them. Not just have them rattle around in our brains. Sometimes I, I, uh, <clears throat> probably bore the ever loving mind out of my wife because I have all this knowledge and trivia and things rattling around up there that, you know, it's to a point where you can't even watch a movie and I'm just like, you can't do that. Tank can't do that. Gun can't do that. That's not what a grenade looks like. RPG-7 doesn't do that. You know, I'm just sitting there and I just, all these things just come rattling off. And I, I'm sure it drives everybody crazy. But there's no purpose behind it. It's trivia for the sake of trivia. That's not what God's Word's about. God's Word isn't about Trivia. It's not remembering obscure passages. It's not remembering bizarre things that are in there for the sake of remembering. What it is, it's remembering what he's told us to do that we would do it. I want you to turn to one final passage, 1 Timothy. In 1 Timothy chapter 4. 
And this becomes the mantra of every teacher, every pastor, every preacher, every missionary. 1 Timothy chapter 4. And he says in verse 6, If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. When uh, God called me to be a pastor, I was terrified. Um... It was something that I had avoided in my entire life. Um, I was willing to do anything else because I thought I wouldn't know how to do it. I didn't go to Bible college. I didn't go to seminary. I don't have a BA, BS, master's, doctorate, doctorate of theology. I don't have any of those degrees. But this verse was there because I knew I, I knew First and Second Timothy and Titus were pastoral epistles, so I better start reading those and reading them fast and hard. <laughs> and I did. And verse six stuck out. You want to be a good minister of Jesus Christ? Put people in remembrance of the things of God. Don't have to be a fantastic speaker. You don't have to, uh, uh, you know, preach some new thing. You don't have to wow people with the laser light show and fog machine. You don't have to do all of that. You don't have to get up there and dance. And trust me, you don't want to see that. <clears throat> but it's just simply teach them to remember. Bring it to their mind. So many times people are like, well, I heard that last Sunday. I heard that the Sunday before. I heard that. Then maybe we need to hear it again. Maybe we need to hear it again. Maybe we need to hear it again. And if that's the case, maybe we need to start remembering to do them. I remember one time I was sitting there and I was a young man and just remembering that and sitting there and listening to the preacher go on and on and on and on and on. I'm like, man, this is just like a sermon that he had a couple of weeks ago. Okay. Just sitting there and just listening to it, just listening to it. And then he just kind of hit me. Maybe he's having to repeat it because I didn't get it the first time. Excuse me a second. <laughs> sword just goes right through the heart because God's teaching us and when we begin to realize the importance of what God's teaching us in his word he puts a great importance on us remembering I don't think we need a fringe I don't think we need to wear a blue border but I think we need a purpose in our hearts to remember so that we can do it. And if that means putting a sticky note on your steering wheel, don't curse at the other drivers. <laughs> putting a <clears throat> putting a sticky note on your mirror with a Bible verse that says, Be ye kind one to another as you wake up in the morning. One on your phone talks about how our speech is supposed to be seasoned all the way with grace. How we're supposed to minister grace unto the hearers. Then maybe we need to do it. The fact is, is we need to remember. It's the mind of Christ. It's the transformed mind. Sin's going to try to steal that from us. Let's just keep remembering to do what God tells us to do. And we'll keep that sin at bay. And we'll have that memory that's fixed on Christ.
Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again for this time. Thank you again, Lord, for this simple message. Lord, one that uh, continually speaks to me, one that continues to teach me every single time I look at these verses, every single time I think about you. And Lord, I just pray that each one of us here, each person that listens to this message, we just truly have that desire to remember to do. Lord, again, I just thank you for all you've given us. I pray you take us home safely tonight. Again, Lord, I pray you bring us back safely this uh, this Sunday. And Lord, may our hearts continue to be worked on, prepared, ready to be filled with you and your word as we study throughout this week, as we read your word, and as we assemble again on on Sunday to worship and praise you. And this I ask in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.